You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. We are in a series called Encountering Jesus, looking at who God is and who we are through the lens of Jesus interacting with people. And this morning, we see Jesus interacting with a group of people called the Pharisees and actually bringing them some pretty tough truth. He brings home some pretty difficult topics for them to hear. Have you ever had someone in your life who loves you, but just kind of say a pretty hard truth? A hard truth that will arrest you, will stop you from going down a journey any further because they love you, but because they love you, they intervene. And they go, man, I I love you, bro, but I need to tell you this. Who do you in your life allow to bring the difficult truths? Do you have moments in your life when you think, man, that was hard to hear, but I needed it? Sometimes we obviously push those people away, and we don't want to hear the hard thing. But every now and again, if someone so loves you, they'll say the hard thing. I remember in my life, there's been a few people who have loved me so much, they've said the hard thing. And it was hard at the time, but I was so thankful afterwards. I remember a friend of mine who I went to law school with. We went to London together. He worked in a different law firm, but we both were working in uh, law, and after about six years of practicing law, I was hearing from the partnership in the law firm, it's time for me to push for partnership and go from 80 hours a week to 120 hours a week, all this kind of uh, nonsense. And I remember my friend sat me down and said, yeah, can I just say something? I went, sure. He said, look, tell this the right way. You're a good lawyer, but not a great one. You're a good lawyer, but not a great one. And the problem is, I see you great at other things that you can't be in law. Have you thought about doing something else? And it was like, that was hard. But I knew that it was from a friend who had my best interests at heart. And that precipitated a conversation that precipitated me going, you know what, I think you're right. I always want to be the client, not the lawyer. And it put me on a journey of then ultimately changing career to something that I hoped I was great at, but I certainly loved as I changed career into more business and marketing. But it took someone to say the hard thing. And it took me to receive it. In our lives, who are those people? And the question I want to put to you today Is Jesus one of those people? Do you let Jesus say the hard thing to you? Because in this passage, Jesus looks at a group of religious leaders and tells them a hard thing. A hard thing because he loves them. A hard thing to actually interrupt maybe some destructive patterns, but nevertheless, it's a hard thing. So we're going to look at this passage. It's a familiar passage, and you may not on the surface See, where's the hard thing here? Because it's so well known, we've forgotten that actually there's an undertone here of challenge. So let's look at it together in John chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again 
He's talking to the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided, and many of them said, didn't like it, didn't like the hard truths, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Jesus tells us two hard truths and one amazing one. Two hard and then an amazing one. And the first hard one is in verse one, or verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, we've heard that so often, right? We don't see the hard truth here because we look at that and go, oh, Jesus is the good shepherd. I love that analogy. Psalm 23, he guides us. But you do know, don't you, that in order for that to be true, Jesus is actually saying more about us than just him. He's saying, I'm a shepherd, but you do know what that, what that makes you. <laughs> you do know, don't you, that when God thinks of any animal to summarize who you are, sheep comes to mind. It's a hard truth, right? Because we don't think of that about ourselves, right? I did a little exercise this morning with the team as we prayed for the service, the worship team, production team, and others. And I said, hey, let's go around, say our names, and let's actually do a little fun exercise to get to know each other. What one animal do you think best represents you? Well, think that now. I mean, we had amazing things like, you know, I'm a lemur, I'm a bald eagle, I'm a polar bear. Not one said, you know what, I pretty much think I'm a sheep. <laughs> it's confronting. I'm not a sheep. But then we go, well, okay, well, maybe sheep aren't all that bad. Maybe what Jesus means is like this kind of sheep on the slide here. Next slide. Oh, maybe Jesus is going, you know, I'm cuddly, I'm warm, I'm fluffy, you know, I bring joy to other people. Maybe that's what he means by I'm a sheep. The challenge is that's exactly not what Jesus is talking about. I grew up on the hills and in the countryside of the northern part of England. There were sheep everywhere. 
And you knew if you grew up in the north of England that calling anybody sheep was not a compliment. And in fact, when you look at Jesus, why he calls us sheep, and we'll look at it in a minute, it's not because he looks at you and goes, oh, you're so fluffy. You're so cuddly. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't value you, because remember, as well as sheep, he also calls you children. And these are the two primary metaphors for you in the Bible, a child and a sheep. Child is your of eternal worth and value and significance. You're his children. You've, he's adopting you into the family when you come to know him. But we can't absolutize that and think that's the summary of who we are. Just like we can't take one image of God as king or lord or protector. And it's one dimension of who God is, but it's the fullness we have to look at. So God says, if you really want to know who you are, in my views, you need two primary metaphors, child and sheep. And sheep reminds us of a hard truth. You see, when Jesus is thinking of sheep, he's thinking of animals that left to themselves are hopeless. I mean, almost ridiculously so. I mean, when I grew up on the north, in the North of England, it wasn't uncommon to see sheep in desperate trouble of their own making, right? Here's some pictures of real-life sheep in desperate trouble of their own making. The first is this. Sheep <laughs> who fall over, and you, you're trained when you're around sheep that if you see a sheep that's like this, you don't leave it because they can't roll over back themselves. You have to stop the car and just like help them back up on their feet. This is how Jesus looks at humanity. And then we all, we get stuck in stupid areas like this. You'll often see sheep like this, just kind of like, it, well, how did that happen? But it's just like, I'm stuck and I can't get out. People, we get stuck. It's like, how did I get here? And then we bump into stuff and you often see sheep just like with random things on them like this. And it's just like, how on earth did that happen? And it's just, we're wandering around. Going, I, I'm blind, I can't see. I guess this is just the way it is. <laughs> Most often, sheep get lost and stuck and stranded. You'll often see, as you, this picture, as you see sheep on the side of a cliff. And you're driving along, you look at, look at beautiful scenery. You see this little white speck halfway up a cliff, bleating away. And often you have to get the rescue services to come and rescue a sheep like this. One of my favorites was, you know that um, sheep can't cut their own hair, right? They need to be sheared. The problem is, if you don't shear a sheep, the hair keeps on growing, and eventually they'll suffocate from too much, too much wool. And so I've never known an animal to die simply because they didn't get a haircut, right? But there was this sheep that I found and read a story about a long time ago that they found this sheep wandering around. It got lost from the flock years ago and they finally found it in desperate condition just because um, his perm was too big. Let's look at this. And he needed to be shorn simply because he did nothing and his hair just grew, just a bad hair day. And it was a real bad hair day. But Jesus is saying, look, when it comes to an animal, what represents humanity the most is this. You're a sheep because you are hardwired for a leader. You are hardwired for a shepherd. Sheep get lost, so do humanity. Sheep easily get infected unless a shepherd 
disinfects them like humanity. Sheep get stuck in all the wrong places. Sheep don't even know the way back. They need a dog to bark at them or a shepherd to lead them. Sheep, it's funny, sheep don't even know how to feed themselves. It's literally, you have to lead sheep to a field. And once they eat all the food in the field, they'll just try to keep eating. And it's all gone. They won't look up and see the field next door unless you go, come on, it's over here, come on. Now, all of this is not to put down humanity. It's simply to say, no, you are of infinite worth. God loves you as his child. You are his children. But you have to recognize this hard truth about yourself. You are not independent creatures. And left to your own independence, you're kind of like sheep. It will not go well. In fact, the hard truth is we all are hardwired to be led. We all look for a shepherd in our lives. We know, whether you're a Christian or not, you look at just humanity in general, and one thing rings out, we long for good shepherds. We are dependent. Shepherds to protect us, to guide us, to feed us, to rescue us to fix us. We'll look around for some shepherd because we, left to our own devices, are not sufficient. And we can get into all sorts of trouble. That's why in the Bible, every type of leader, whether it be civic, political, or religious, is spoken about in shepherding terms. Leadership is ultimately in the lens of God, and then I would suggest in the lens of of truth, leadership is about shepherding, is helping a people find their direction. This is a hard truth because we live in Western progressive secularism where we don't like any, any idea of being dependent. In fact, we will kick against that. And in kicking against it, we then inadvertently don't choose the right kind of shepherd to lead us. Jesus says in verse 12, look, you're either going to choose a good shepherd or a bad shepherd, but you're hardwired to choose one. He said this in verse 12, look, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the good shepherd. We'll come on to that in a minute. But if you don't choose me, you're going to choose a different shepherd. And believe me, that shepherd does not really care about you. That shepherd may be good in part, but ultimately they'll fail you. Life as a sheep is being led. And the truth that we have to face today is who are we being led by? There are shepherds all around us that we turn to. Politicians are ultimately shepherds. They are shepherds that stand up every four years and go, look, I am the shepherd who's going to guide you, lead you, protect you, care for you. We're not satisfied where we are. You're dissatisfied with the country the way it is. I am the shepherd to lead us into a bright and better future. The problem is, every four years, guess what? We're going, oh, we need a better shepherd. They can't fulfill whatever promises you hope for them to fulfill. We're not only shepherded by politicians, we turn to celebrities 
And maybe, you know what, my favorite celebrity, that's the shepherd I'm looking for. And we know that celebrities are shepherding us because literally they adopt the word influencer. By definition, I can't believe that we, go, we don't push back against that, but in their title, they're going, I'm influencing you. I mean, it's amazing how progressive secular independence accepts, ooh, I want to be influenced. But we do. Not only do celebrities influence and shepherd us, but I think most of the shepherding in our society today is what I call soft shepherding. Shepherds that tell you they're not shepherding. Shepherds that shepherd, but do it so cunningly that you think you're not being shepherded. That we can actually hold on to the illusion that we are in free, of our, in free control of our decisions, and yet we're actually being manipulated and deceived and softly coerced. It's called soft power. Where soft shepherds exercise soft power, it's the ability to shape the preferences of others and the ability to attract them and shape them without them realizing it. Without any overt authority, without any overt coercion, soft power is so powerful because soft shepherds lead you but you think you're leading. It happens all around us. The soft shepherding of news outlets, right? You think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely be free and independent and absolutely have my opinions, and yet we don't realize that whatever channels we're, re- we're watching or sites that we're reading, there's a carefully constructed stream of information, misinformation, selective absence of information, hyperbole, exaggeration from all sorts of media that basically is saying, we're trying to lead you to a certain worldview. We're trying to get you to demonize these people, so we'll pick the worst bits. We're trying for you to be sympathetic towards these people, so we'll raise up the empathy over here. We're trying you not to actually go there, so we won't even show that. But didn't we see that on steroids over the last three years? It felt like reality was different completely different depending on which news outlet you watched because they are trying to shepherd you. The soft shepherding of news. The soft shepherding of algorithms. Oh my word. Everything on your screen is carefully curated to respond just to you. Not for your best interests, but actually to manipulate, to sell, to create desires that even weren't there before. The soft shepherding of advertising. I used to to be in advertising for about five years, and I loved it. But you could see the power to manipulate, the power to actually softly coerce. It was called choice architecture. Choice architecture means this. I'm going to give you a free choice about what you want. This is not about me. It's about you. So much time, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose A or B. Either one, I don't really mind. But I'm going to only give you choices that I'm happy with, and it leaves you with the illusion that you made a free choice. 
choice architecture. You go down an aisle in any supermarket and there's billions of dollars spent on choice architecture. And then, of course, there's social media. There's product placement. It's funny, I was reading recently, not because I read this magazine ever, but I Googled it and I found the article. It's in an article from a magazine called Fashion Eater, which is clearly, <laughs> clearly not something I read a lot of. But they did a survey of over 500 people that showed the power of product placement with social media influencers. And they could statistically, quantitatively prove that whenever you placed a product on an influencer and showed it on social media, not even drawing attention to that product, but they could have, a 70, there's a 73% chance that someone will either follow the brand or purchase it. 73% that people would be curated to actually see that. They, it was so significant. This is the title of that article, which is not actually... I'm surprised they used this title for this article, but it actually proves the point. The article was titled, Millennials are sheeple when it comes to influencer product placements. Sheeple. Sheeple. And of course, the most significant soft shepherding is by Hollywood, by films and TV programs, commercials, where we are constantly having our worldview shaped without even realizing it. John Mark Comer writes in his book, Live No Lies, he says, Hollywood is the epitome of soft power. It's done more to change Western mores around sex, divorce, adultery, speech, and consumerism than most anything, simply by making movies that are fun to watch. Another example is the advertising industry which is an attempt to control our behavior, not through coercion, but consumerism, simply by appealing to our desires. And someone who's worked in the ad world is not just appealing to our desires, but cultivating your desires. I saw the power of this in, in our own home. I mean, I suffer from it as well. Uh, and I remember I was talking to my daughter who's down here, and I remember when they were like 12 and 13, and I remember, you know, Disney, they're watching all these Disney shows. And we love Disney, it's great. But I remember watching Disney shows one day with them and going, holy smokes, what's going on here? Because after every little TV show they were watching, there seemed to be a very shepherding ideology going on here, which was this. Dads are stupid. <laughs> every show, the dad was a doofus. The dad got in the way of wisdom. The dad was like a child. The dad got in the way of real wisdom, which was in the 12-year-old. The dad was ridiculous. And even the wife would go, don't listen to your dad. I thought, holy smokes. And I was joking with my daughter this morning. and I even said, oh no, some are way too far. And actually, I did ban some Disney TV shows. But then I remember one we were watching, iCarly. I don't know if you like iCarly, but I remember iCarly. And I remember one day, my, my other daughter, who's amazing, just like me, can be influenced by lots of things. I remember I said something, and she did kind of what I called then an iCarly move, which was like, roll your eyes, you know, that typical dad. I went, whoa, time out. But it's... 
and so we banned the Disney TV station altogether. Um, but I thought, oh my word, she, like me, like all of us, it's the soft shepherding. There's someone putting an agenda behind every TV show, every movie. They have an agenda. They are shepherding you. It's called soft shepherding. And in the light of all of this, we go, you know, wow, it is true. It's not a Christian thing. It's just truth. It's just the way it is. So a lot of us go, you know, time out. I'm going to actually step out. I'm going to choose not to follow any of these shepherds. I'm just going to follow myself. I'm going to be my authentic self. I don't trust any other shepherd. I'm just going to follow me. I'm going to be what's true to me. The problem is you are a terrible shepherd of yourself. Even if you go... Yeah, I'm just going to listen to my authentic feelings, my authentic desires. I'm just going to, no, I'm not going to listen to someone else. I'm going to me be me. I'm going to, you know, me be me. You do you. I'm just going to do, I'm going to live my own truth. The problem is, do you know your own truth has been shepherded? Your own truth, what you think is your own truth is not neutral either. Your own truth is littered with family of origin stuff. That has greatly influenced how you think and feel today. The hurts and the wounds and the past, the expectations of parents and grandparents, the abandonment or not. That's shepherded who you are. You've also got habits, maybe even addictions, that you know are not good for you, but they are authentic. And then your desires and your feelings are often driven not by what is authentically good for me, but actually is driven by insecurities. It's driven by fears. So whichever way we go, the hard truth that Jesus wants us to know is you are sheep. I love you, but you're sheep. And the challenge is I look around and all I see are bad shepherds. And he's saying that to the Pharisees, you are terrible shepherds. Because ultimately, you don't care about the sheep. Because when rubber hits the road, these shepherds abandon you. These shepherds don't know your name. These shepherds don't really care. Actually, they care more about themselves. And humanity is driven by people longing for a good shepherd. It's a hard truth. But Jesus is saying, and if you don't recognize you're a sheep, you won't proactively then choose who your shepherd is. And if you live in this illusion that you don't need a shepherd, you'll be subconsciously and softly led by a bad one. And it's into this context, into these hard truths, that Jesus gives us an incredible one. In the context of humanity's search for a shepherd that we can truly trust, a shepherd that truly has our interests at heart, a shepherd that truly will lead us and not abandon us when trouble comes. It's in this context that Jesus steps in into the middle of the religious elite and says, I am that good shepherd. I am the one humanity was created to be led by. This is not a small statement. In fact, it's one of the great I am statements of John's gospel where Jesus is using the Hebrew word for God, I am, and putting it onto himself. 
If you don't know that story, in the Old Testament, Moses had like a face-to-face chat with God and was going to go to Egypt and rescue the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses rightly said, hey, um, there's lots of gods out here. I mean, you're the true God, but they're going to ask what your name is. What's your name? Is it Thor or something? What is it? God says, look, no one name can summarize who I am. So it's just I am. Because I'm just everything. I am the one true sovereign God. And the great I am is the name of the great sovereign God. And then in Ezekiel chapter 34, in the midst of terrible leaders abusing the people of Israel, God comes through a prophet and says, one day the great I am himself, God, will be the shepherd of his people. That one day God won't rely on partial, inadequate shepherds, but he will come. He'll come into the mess and go, I've got this. I'm going to shepherd my people. I'm going to actually build a relationship with them. I'm going to bring them into my flock, and I'm going to shepherd them. They're going to know my leadership, and I will be with them. This is the great promise hanging over humanity from Ezekiel chapter 34. But what's interesting in Ezekiel chapter 34 is not only does the prophet say God himself is going to come, but interestingly, the prophet also says, and that shepherd's going to be King David. Which is like, what? Because King David's come and gone, right? How can it be both God and David? And then the great prophetic promise is there for someone in the line of David. God is going to come in the line of David to shepherd his people. And it's in that context when humanity is crying out for a shepherd that will truly lead us and care for us and protect us, it's in that moment where Jesus steps into the terrible shepherds of the religious elite at the time, and he says to me, you lot are a terrible bunch, but guess what? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he steps into your life today and says, I know you want to be led. You need to be led. You're hardwired to be led. And actually, you're looking to all these other things to lead you, to get you out of the predicaments that you're in. You resonate with those pictures of the sheep. And you go, will someone lead me? Will good health lead me? Will politicians lead me? Will gurus lead me? Will tradition lead me? Will success lead me? What is your shepherd going to be? And although they can all do good things for you, you know deep down they're inadequate and many of them will abandon you when the going gets tough. And it's in that context, Jesus comes into your life and goes, I'm the good shepherd who you were created for. I'm the good shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd because I am the personal one. I know you intimately. He says, the sheep know me and I know the sheep just as the Father knows me. That means as close as God the Father is to God the Son, with all the intimacy and love and care, so he brings that same level of intimacy and knowledge and care to his shepherding of you. That's the intimacy and personal nature of Jesus, how he wants to shepherd you. Secondly, he says, I've come that you might have life. I'm the life-giving shepherd. Other shepherds just like steal, kill, and destroy. They're kind of out for themselves. They use you for their own purposes. They stand on top of the sheep to make much of the shepherd. But guess what? I've come that you might have life. I'm going to lead you for your sake. 
They want to come into your life as the shepherd. And we see what it looks like for Jesus to come in people's lives. We see in the, in the Gospels when he's there and he's serving them. He's healing them. He's including them. He's delivering them from oppression. He's giving them meaning and purpose. He's loving on them. You see this man actually going around Galilee and Jerusalem, shepherding people. And then when I read that, I look at that and go, I want to be one of your sheep. Man, if that's how you've shepherded, I'm a sheep. Can you be my shepherd? I love that picture of Mary Magdalene, who'd been abused by men in her life, by the patriarchal system in her life, and even spiritual oppression. And she'd been so delivered by this shepherd called Jesus. She was the one at the tomb on Easter morning grieving. My shepherd is gone. And it's why when he opened her eyes and he said, Mary, it's Jesus. She flung her arms around him and said, never let me, never let me not have you ever again. He's the life-giving shepherd. But then thirdly, and most significantly, he's the ultimate shepherd. He's the ultimate sacrificial shepherd. And as we come to communion this morning, this is what we celebrate, that Jesus says, unlike the hired hand, when it comes to your ultimate enemies, I'm not going to run away. When it comes to the ultimate predators in your life of sin and ultimate death, the ultimate predator that we all face, other hired men, other shepherds have nothing to bring to the table. They can't do that, but we will all once be devoured by the ultimate enemy. And it's in that context that even then, I not only know you, I not only have your best at heart, but I'm the ultimate shepherd. That I will stand between you and your ultimate enemy. And I will get between you. And when the enemy sought to devour the flock, I will let the enemy instead devour me. That's why on the cross, Jesus cried out, Lord, why, God, have you forsaken me? And he's quoting their Psalm 22, which is that great kingly psalm of the king himself being devoured by predators. And it was as if he was saying, Lord, I am your shepherd in the line of King David. And when the ultimate enemy comes to take even your life, when it came to get you, it's going to get me instead. This is the true shepherd. <laughs> that God himself would come, not as a CEO, not as a guru, not as an influencer, but a sacrificial shepherd to be devoured in our place. Let me ask you a question as we come to communion this morning. Who is your shepherd? It may be that you go, hey, it's Jesus, but in reality, all of us, and even myself, I have to go, but who am I functionally allowing to be my shepherd? When it comes to my decisions, my finances, my relationships, my aspirations, what I do, who is functionally my shepherd? And is it time to recognize that that shepherd is ultimately not the shepherd that will bring life? And then there may be a few today going, well, Jesus isn't my shepherd. 
But if that is what it's like for Jesus to be a shepherd, I want him to be my shepherd. Then you can, both of us, all make that decision today as we take communion. Jesus, I put you today as the shepherd of my life. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.